toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. This episode is sponsored by Tom Palladino with Scalar Light. Sign up and receive your 30-day free Scalar Light healing at scalarlight.com. And you can listen to our interviews with Tom and the amazing healing benefits and potential in episodes number 73, 78, and 90. I've personally been receiving the Scalar Light energy daily and have really noticed the shifts in energy, including my deeper sleep with chakra balancing, energy clearing, and nutrient support. It's also a beautiful gift that I've been able to provide for my family. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Will Carlos. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing this weekly conscious conversation. We are so grateful for all the support we have received with monthly donations on Patreon, the five-star written reviews on iTunes, and the connection within our Awakening Souls Facebook community. We are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us each week. And if you like what you hear, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment and get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, and breathe out that light and love and sending it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Will Carlos. Will helps healers who want to feel safe to be seen and especially online. Will helps healers get to a point where they are able to be themselves online without being ruled by the fear of criticism or judgment. He is described by his clients as a human polygraph. 
He uses his spiritual gift of clairaudience and limiting belief clearing to help his clients see exactly where they have been subconsciously staying safe so that they can shift from overwork to ease and fun as they be more of themselves in their business. After delivering his signature belief clearing session with 500 people in 28 countries, Will has honed his direct, honest, and no-fluff approach to help his clients end self-sabotage and confusion. Will's deeper purpose that honestly still scares the shit out of him is to help others heal their relationship with God or the God of their understanding, as well as with themselves, so that they can build their life and business on a solid foundation of faith, self-love, and spiritual confidence. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Will. Yeah, thanks for having me. So can you tell us about your journey and what has led you down the spiritual path? Yeah, and... I want to start by saying that last line of the bio, I I just added for this show as I'm deepening my own relationship with God. um, And I always put in there the God of your understanding, because I don't, you know, for this podcast and for everything I do, I say, God, you say tomato. I hope everyone can catch my drift. Uh, But my journey, I'll I'll kind of do the, the, the now and then jumping back. So now I just did a distance energy healing session for a, a new client, someone that I'd spoken with months ago and, and they just reached out uh, spontaneously. And it was one of those when you're nervous and you don't really know if you're going to be able to help at all, but you're, you got to give it your all. Cause I usually, I most often work over zoom like this in a more of a psychological approach, but I have done a lot of distance work as well. And I was nervous, didn't know if I could trust myself and had all those fears and doubts come up and got some very clear messages, very specific, clear messages. And she and I spoke afterwards, which I don't normally do for distance sessions. I'll usually just send some notes, but this time we spoke afterwards because there was something I needed to check on. And the thing that I needed to check on was a very clear message from spirit to say, uh, you need to stop this person. And I said, whoa, <clears throat> hold on. Is this one of those stories that I've heard of where you know self-harm may be happening? And spirit kind of downgraded it a little bit and said, well, no, but, but you still have to stop this person. So I reached out and we spoke and that was actually a concern, but this person has multiple layers of support around them. So there was no, um, I I didn't need to make sure she, this person had a therapist or anyone to speak to, but they said, yeah, that was, that's right on point. Just last week, I was speaking to my therapist and my coach and my counselor. And the next day, this person sent me a photo of the change on their physical body. And even I was kind of shocked because I'd never seen that from, from work that I was a part of. I'm not going to say work that I did, but work that I was a part of. And it was just one of those full circle moments of just the deepest gratitude that I get to do this work. So rewind 25 years. So I'm 37. So I'm, I'll say roughly 12 years old. And I have no ability at all to speak up for myself. No ability to tell the people around me, hey, I'm picking up on some bullshit. I'm picking up on some shit. I'm picking up. I no ability to, to say that or call them on it. And frankly, so egotistical and full of myself that it's a good thing I didn't call anyone on their stuff because it would have been the most hypocritical thing ever. I mean, it still is pretty hypocritical for, for me to call anyone on anything, but it's what I do. It's, it's, it's part of my gift. So I was stuck. I was just suffering every day, just pent up with all these abilities that I thought I might have. I didn't know it was spiritual yet, but I'd walk in the woods and I would talk to myself and I didn't know that that was prayer at the time. And many years and all these spiritual insights and things, apparently when I was a kid, I told my mom about a past life 
image that I very clearly had about being on the top of a mountain and there were rivers coming together and my mom's sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about, kid, but I, you clearly see something. And years later, I started taking courses in spiritual uh, practices, everything from EFT to vortex healing to pranic level one and Reiki level one. And I tried level ones of everything, trying to find something that would fit. And nothing for me really lived up to its its promises and, and the expectations that I had. And there's a lot of factors, probably mostly me, frankly, <laughs> probably wasn't them at all, but nothing quite hit the mark for me until I found this modality that I currently practice, uh, which is called um, energetic magic. And I learned it from, uh, his name is Shiraz Babu. He's in Toronto, as well as a, a heavy dose of uh, access consciousness, if anyone knows about that and prayer. So putting that all together, I've, I've created this practice where now I get to work with clients each day and I get to do this crazy work and figure out how the heck does, does God fit into all this stuff? And then also working with executive coaches and CEOs of companies to say, Oh, you're stuck because of that specific thing. And they go, no, I'm not. I go, yes, you are. And they go, no, I'm not. And they go, Oh yeah, I am. Oh shit. <laughs> and then mostly healers, uh, healers and uh, coaches and therapists are who I met, mostly work with. Uh, and, and their, their, their area of bullshit is, uh, it's almost always around the helper's paradox, which, you know, we can get more into as we go into the podcast, but there are some very clear areas. And those started back with my mom when I was a kid, when I, I started to observe her doing these helper, helper fixer saver things and only realized it about a year ago, um, long after I'd started doing that work with my healer clients going, and I realized, oh, it started with my mom. Oh, thanks, mom. Uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a bit of an all-around backstory, but that's how it led me to my spiritual path and the energy healing work that I do. And the God part is is a is a very big part, but I still don't know how to fit that into the story of my practice and how I came to my practice because it, it deserves its own <laughs> podcast or category of conversation. Wow, thank you for for sharing a little bit about your story. It sounds like every piece has kind of fit in nicely to bring you to where you are now and just mm -hmm. finding those pieces to, to fit. And so I'm, yeah, I just to, you know, there's a lot of pieces there that we could jump into, but I'm really curious about the healers um, paradox and, or the helpers paradox, I believe is what you say, call it. Um, mm. And so I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about that and what that looks like and, and yeah, just what is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the title, it's, it's interesting that you, you went back and forth between healers and helpers, because at first I was going to call it the healers paradox. And then I realized it's actually, it's broader than that. It is the helpers paradox because it comes up for caregivers, for moms, as well as CEOs of companies. The main clientele that I work with are healers, but what I'm kind of thinking as this all develops, I mean, th this will be the book that I write and all of that, but as it develops, it'll branch off a little bit. It'll start with helpers and then get specific for the healers. Having said all that, the helpers paradox is states that the more a person needs to help, the less able they are to help. And I have seen this, like I say, since I was a kid, I see it everywhere in my life. I even see it in my part-time job in customer service when someone writes in to say, you know, oh, I, I'd really love a discount on this program um, because of this, this, this. I'm, I'm really doing everything I can to help the world and help others. Could you please help me? And there's nothing wrong with that request. I don't think that that's a bad request. I think that's a great request. But the I can feel the energy through the email. I don't know this person that's in Denmark or whatever other country, 
but I can feel it through the email. It's a need energy. And the need energy just creates more need energy. And the more we healers and therapists and coaches come from a need energy, even though we're trying to help or fix or save the world, we're just creating more need. We're not solving problems. We're creating more because we're in that need energy. It's very similar to, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, you know, when, if you have an anti-war rally, I'm not there, but have a peace rally and I'm, I'll show up. It's, it's along those same lines, but I like to get into the psychology of it. And, and it's so insidious in our culture, especially for, um, and I'll just say it broadly, because almost all my clients are women, especially for women. We really praise the, the women in our society that give, 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 give until they have nothing left to give. Oh, you're such an amazing mom. Instead of you need to check yourself, you're going to crash and burn and people around you are going to suffer for it. But we don't do that for many reasons. And there's layers to that. And I am fully aware that I'm a man that identifies as a man and that gets into a whole thing. But there's a conversation to have there. It's a nuanced, important conversation to have. And I want to help healers, especially healers, have that conversation. I, I definitely agree with the neglect that a lot of, I mean, mainly women, but it can definitely be men as well. That's almost praised and revered. Like we yeah. have to keep giving away pieces of ourselves yeah. um, and building up others. But in the background, there's actually resentment from many, you know, many caregivers, what, whoever they're taking care of. And I think that's a really a really good point to to bring up. So then that leads me to the question. I'm curious about what is the balance? So you're talking about mm. energy, this need energy. Uh, so what would be the balance of that needful energy? Mm, that's great. In, in the eventual book that I write, that will be a whole chapter. Uh, I'm still discovering this as I go because... <laughs> A lot of it is, I like to work on observation from my clients. So it's not the full scientific method, but I, I did work with, it was about 500, of, 500 clients in a free session format. And then, you know, many of them signed up for private work as well. But from all those session notes, I, I took a step back and I looked at the patterns and what were the, the patterns that were emerging. So there were these eight pillars of what I, I call the eight pillars of the imposter complex. And the imposter syndrome, imposter complex, that's a pretty common term. Many of us know about, you know, feeling like a fraud or an imposter. But one of them was this thing around this, what I used to call the helper, fixer, saver thing. I didn't have a better name for it at the time. And also it's people-pleasing and overgiving. And that's a big part of the helper's paradox. This is people-pleasing and overgiving. So what is the healthy boundary? For me, I, I don't know yet. I, I have some things that I'm going to share, but I don't I don't fully know yet because I haven't observed enough people to go from the beginning of the journey to the end to know what is truly the healthy the healthy balance. But I'll, I'll give some examples of what are not. So what are not is when mom wakes up every morning and the first thing she does is tend to the kids. The next thing she does is tend to the kids. The third thing she does is tend to the kids. And then she jumps right into her work, business, or job with no time for mom. Uh, I see my wife do this sometimes, um, but I'm on her like just white on like you, honey, I see it's been three mornings in a row that you have not done your yoga. This is going to come out. It's going to, it's going to impact me and our daughter and our like, please get on that. What do you need from me to make sure that you can get on? Like we're, a, we're a team in this. And at the same time, if, if, it, if, if every morning that she missed it, I was on her, then that would be come about me and not about her. So it is a balance. It's not a, it's not a black and white thing. It's not a left brain 
systematic, linear, call it masculine thing, because it's nuanced. It's different for every person. And so I think it's much more about the energy. So I like to think of it in terms of a push and a pull energy. So um, when I was, I, I remember I was down here in the, the downstairs of my uh, home. We had recently moved here and I was over in that corner. I remember it very vividly. I was having one of these free sessions in the early days. And I remember I was uh, talking with this client, potential client and we're working on things and I'm just, I'm talking really fast. I'm just trying to get it all in because she's not understanding the amazing gem that I'm wanting. Like she, once she gets this, everything's going to change. And I realize, I feel it in my body. I go, oh my God, that's gross. I'm just pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to get this woman to see what I think is the answer. And that was the beginning of, of seeing this helper's paradox. My need to help her has become the biggest thing in the room. And that's not the biggest thing in the room. The biggest thing in the room is what she needs, what she wants, what, what's here for her. So I know I'm starting with a vague answer for you, but it's, it's whenever, you're, whenever you realize that your push is getting bigger than the pull. So the pull is when you're in that ease and that balance and that flow, you're in a pull and you realize, oh, wait, a, oh, Something's out of balance. So a quick example, uh, my daughter and I came home today. Uh, we have the mornings together on Friday. We did some errands, got the car fixed, uh, played it with some friends. We came home. She wanted to come right in and, and come and bug mom. Mom had 15 minutes left on the clock for work, which I know is her crunch time. She's trying to get like a million things done in those 15 minutes. Maeve, my, sorry, my daughter Maeve comes in. I'm upstairs doing the dishes and I hear it. And I go, Maeve, honey, please come upstairs. And she says with a huge tone, Dad, I'm just asking mom a question, which is kind of new. She's five and like tone has not been a big thing. So I had a rare moment of patience and peace as a parent. I'm not usually this patient. When she came upstairs, I, was, I stayed in a pull energy and I said, honey, you're going to go have two minutes alone in your room because that's not how we speak to each other in this family. And I was shocked at how calm I was because I'm never that calm. So that's a great example of, I was in a pull energy, not a push. I didn't need to fix her. I didn't need to save the family. I was in a pull of, oh, no, that's out of balance. That's not going to go well if, we, if this pattern continues unchecked. So that's kind of a, a family life example, but that's, that's one of the more concrete examples that I can give. I love that example. I think it, it can really resonate with a lot of, you know, our listeners because some people may not be a healer or they might not mm. be in that helping profession. Um, but they're, but especially a lot of women, you know, are those helpers, you know, are the healers just by being in community with their friends or with, you know, their family. And, and so there can be a lot of that energy of, you know, that people pleasing or mm -hmm. just wanting to take care of everyone, especially their family and their, you know, and, and a lot of women, um, you know, men, some men too, but a lot, mostly women, I think, um, are conditioned to mm. take care of others and not put their own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. And so it, it is a, a big cultural thing. And when we realize we can, you know, to take care of ourselves first and what that really looks like and the conditioning behind that of it, you know, not being a selfish thing, because that comes up mm. a lot. And so for those people, um, or even, you know, the, anyone who finds themselves in that place, the healers or the helpers, or, you know, what are some exercises or some things that people can do to help really become aware 
of that pattern and to bring it back to find that balance. Mm. And speaking of family, if if my mic is nice enough, you should hear the thump, 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 thump of my daughter upstairs. Uh, and so I want to touch on something that you said there that's really important, which is the cultural or societal or historical perspective, because it's not like women are doing this just because it's fun to be a martyr. You know, like, let's be real. It's it's not that, and, and it could have been men, you know, if history had gone a little different or if some major religions of the world had gone a little different in their origins, we could be having the exact same conversation about men. So there's, that's a very important context. And I do go into that in my work with clients. It's not, it's not a, let's pretend the last 2000 plus years of history never happened and only deal with right now. No, that, that, that all happened. And of course, you know, it's a pat thing to say, but the point of power is now. So what are we going to do moving forward? Acknowledging what has happened, acknowledging potentially the trauma that happened in uh, your religion or church, uh, in your family or society, in the expectations, what you saw your mom doing and your grandmother doing, or the lineage that you're carrying on that you, that's the most, one of the most common things I see is women that are carrying on a genealogy or a lineage, and they're not even aware of, but when we ask the energetic question of who does that belong to, it's like, oh, it's my grandmother. I barely even remember my grandmother, or they get a flash of a past life where they were Jewish, Christian, whatever it was. And that comes in. I mean, that's, that isn't the majority of my work, but it's an important piece. If it's, if it's not gone into at all, I think that's a disservice. On the other side, I think that if that's all we do, then that's also a disservice because we're living right now, we're dealing with right now. So I just wanted to, to say that before we get into the, the kind of practicals. Um, so what can people, what can, and especially women, what can they do? Well, the first one is uh, starting, starting your day for you or with you, which for single parents listening, very hard. I don't have a, I don't have a clean, clear answer for you. I haven't written the book yet, so I can't tell you like what's the answer for that particular scenario. Uh, I know how challenging that can be when I've done single parenting for the week when my wife's away on business. Uh, I, I hear you. <clears throat> so I'm not going to try to give prescriptive answers. I'm going to give more of the, the practical pieces that I can. The other part is to uh, pull energy. So everyday practice. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just... Just picked up on an energetic, uh, how do I want to call that? A hook, a jab, uh, anger, not not from either of you, but from listeners in the future of like, excuse me, what do you mean start my day for me? <laughs> I just heard a voice come in there. Um, so that could be 10 seconds, you know, when your feet, feet first hit the floor uh, or at the start of your workday, if your kids go to school or whenever it is, take that time between you and the God of your understanding uh, between you and the tree outside, uh, five minutes of yoga. I started my daily yoga practice with one posture at a time while I was single parenting my daughter in India while my wife did yoga teacher training. I started my daily yoga practice that continues to this day. So yeah, okay. That's a little bit less of a, of a, of a jab on that one now. Sorry, what was I saying about the second one? Oh, energy pulling. Um, yeah, to pull energy. So everyone can practice it right now, even just listening to the podcast. So First thing you can do is either eyes closed or eyes open, whatever you like. If you're driving, don't do this for the first time driving or operating a lawnmower as I'm doing a lot in the springtime right now. But first we'll practice the pushing because we're all very aware of that. So sitting where you're sitting, project your energy forward, push your energy forward like you're in a rush. You've really got to get some things done. Just like you can feel it, just push forward. So when you do that, your body probably tenses. You feel like you're in a rush. Okay, now pull energy from everywhere in front of you towards yourself, 
through your entire body and out the back. And it just continues on to infinity because there's an infinity in front of you that you can continue to pull from, pull through your body and out the back. And even just as I do that now, I can realize and recognize, oh, even in this conversation, I'm excited. I love being on podcasts. I love speaking with you both. I started to push a little bit. Okay. Yep. Back into the pull, back into the next piece. Um, so those are, are two quick things you can do. And then the third that I'll say for now is, and this isn't a DIY. This is a, I mean, it's, it's kind of a plug for my work or anyone's work that you want to do it with, but identifying the specific limiting beliefs that have you go into needing to help, which as far as I can tell, is almost impossible on your own. I've seen one, maybe two of these on my own that were, that were really ground shaking, but most of the time I see it with my energy guy, my coach, or a really good trusted friend who's in this same line of work where sometimes life will smack you upside the face so big as it did to me very recently, which I'm not going to go into, but smack you so far, so hard up the side of the face that you have to see what that belief was. And then you can see what it is. So recognizing that specific belief. I mean, I, I remember a woman that I helped, she was really stuck in this helper's paradox. And we got into the session and about halfway into the session, we, I could feel the, you know, the spidey senses, the tingly and, I, and the right question came up and I asked it and I knew it was coming. And I said, what's really there. And what was really there was the person, the very person that she was meant to be the caregiver of, she hated. She said, I hate my, this person. And just things shifted when she realized, when she saw that that was fueling this need to help, that it wasn't actually coming from joy. It was coming from obligation. That's now we can shift. Now we can change. Now we can see what are the specific beliefs that are holding that in place, shift those energetically and move out of there. So those are kind of the three best, like the first one's very practical DIY. The second one is an energetic practice. And the third is, you know, getting with a specialist that can really help you see the specific limiting beliefs for you because your words are different. Your life experience is different. Um, everyone's different. Thank you for those. I can definitely identify with each of those practices, the pulling or drawing in of energy and yeah, really like sitting with some of those limiting beliefs. And it does, it is so helpful, almost critical, I would say to work with someone, a supportive person that can see through some of those limiting beliefs. And you mentioned earlier, even in your bio that you have the gift of Claire audience. And so for our listeners who aren't sure what that is, if you could kind of give them a, a snapshot of what Claire audience is and how you do that to help others with limiting beliefs, because you mentioned you are called the human polygraph. So maybe continue on after explaining Claire audience, mm. like, what does that mean? A human polygraph? Yeah. Yeah. So and that's one that I, I never would have put in my bio unless clients had said it about me first. I don't think like there's different schools of thought on that. You've got to be provocative. Like I can't, I can't say it unless someone else has said it. Um, so yeah, clear audience is when you can hear, I mean, it's basically hearing things of the spirit. And so we're all familiar with clairvoyance. You know, we hear that term thrown around all the time and I think it gets thrown around too much and people actually mean other spiritual gifts. So they'll say, oh, you must be clairvoyant, but really it's clairsentient. They know things that are going to happen or it's uh, clair, no, 
that's feeling, sorry, clairsentient, claircognizant is knowing, like you just get this knowing of what's going to happen. It's that premonition of like, don't get in the car right now. <laughs> uh, or that moment that I had with this client where it was, you have to stop them. That wasn't actually clairaudient. I mean, I did kind of hear a voice, but it was, it was more a dip into claircognizant of a knowing, like reach out right now, call that person. So there's clairvoyant, clairsentient, claircognizant. Clairaudient is when you hear things. And this is just from my understanding. I haven't actually read books on clairaudience. It was more so after taking all the courses that I've taken in spiritual work and energy healing work, and then the work with Shiraz uh, in Toronto, that I started to recognize and realize, oh, my colleagues and my fellow students, they see things. Like they'll, they'll even say, and the classic is, oh, I can, your aura today looks just lovely. And to which I now say, no, thank you. I never asked you to read my aura. Stop, <laughs> stop it with the helper's paradox. Because the person is stuck, and I didn't ask you. What are you doing? So hearing is different. Here, it's when it. I'll get a literal ding as a you know when I was sharing those tools, and I could hear someone say, "You." I don't want to say the words that I actually heard, but I could hear like a like a dig. I could hear someone and their thoughts going, "You a hole, you jerk." you need to expand on that. You didn't give enough, or you don't know what you're talking about. I'm a single parent at home. I could like hear it. So the one, the, my favorite one is when I'm working with clients and I'll say, I'll, I'll identify the belief. And so I'll, I'll ask, um, you know, truth, your mom, you hate your mom. And so when I ask a truth question, it's to come to a yes or a no answer so that we can, we can read if it's true for them or not. And my favorite is when, as I'm asking the question, I see, and then I hear at the same time there, it's usually their mom, sometimes their dad, sometimes grandparents come through their face. I, it's like, I see them. It's like, almost like a hint of a ghost come through their face and tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> and that's when I know that we're really onto something. Cause when, when that other energy is coming through their ego, whatever to tell me to back, it's just like in the movies when you're about to go into the the secret chamber and, and, and get the magical scepter of whatever. And the, the, the ghost comes up to say, no, don't go in there. You're like, ha, ah, I'm on the right track. Great. No, I know we're going the right way. So I'll always hear that and I'll hear specific words. That's why it's audient more so than clairvoyant or clairsentient or other ones. Um, and I think it does a lot of us a disservice as we're on the beginning of this journey to discovering our gifts, because we think we should all see auras. But that's it doesn't show up the same way or we think that we should all be able to now that if, if someone hearing this uh, interview might say oh i should be able to hear my client's inner thoughts no that might not or you might not have any of these gifts but you're just really intuitive and skilled in certain ways and that is your thing so we don't all have the the same thing and then for the the polygraph the actual thing that that clients most often say and my what i love and what i think i'm going to be bold and actually put in my in my bio now is a bullshit detector because I, I detect the bullshit. I go, Oh, so like the clients will come to me and say, Oh, I really want to be more visible. I really want more clients. I'll go, Oh, can I, is it okay if we just cut right to it? And they'll say, yes, please. And I, you don't believe a word you just said like, no, I really do. I want to write my book. I wanted to get out there and energy. I'm just like cringing because the, the, the shit that's dripping, it's just, it's bad. And they'll go, what? I really believe that. Like, no, you don't like you do up here, but you're not aligned. And that's why it's not happening out in the world because you're saying the right things. You're affirming, you're believing, you're trying to stay in love and that's all valid, but you hate your mom. Your relationship with God sucks or spirit. You're scared to death that if you make that Facebook post, someone's going to attack you. 
um, like there's something else going on. So it's not even necessarily your fault. There's just a misalignment. So it's a bit of a long answer, but that's, that's my answer. That's beautiful. Thank you. It sounds like, yeah, just cutting through the bullshit because I think there's so many people, you know, we all have these limiting beliefs and, you know, and, and it, is hard to access sometimes, you know, we, we know logically cognitively that, Oh, I want to, you know, write this book or start this or start that, or, you know, business or whatever it is for that person and their passion. And, but yet there, there's something stuck in that energy just doesn't seem to move forward. And so I think, you know, a lot of people have, you know, these limiting beliefs, like maybe not feeling good enough or feeling like there's that, fraud or what's that other word I'm trying to think of right now? Um, Oh, imposter? Imposter syndrome. Yes. You know, so that comes up quite a bit for a lot of people. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about maybe what's going on under the surface with that piece. With the imposter? With the imposter, imposter? those, you know, not feeling good enough or worthy enough to have these Mm. things, the energetics behind that. What is underneath that? And how does someone, you know, move through that? Mm. Yeah, great question. So from my experience, I found that, as I mentioned, there's eight pillars to the imposter complex. And that's why I think so many, especially healers and light workers and coaches, why they stay stuck, because they'll get some well-meaning advice of you just got to believe in yourself. So they believe in themselves, they go and make a bunch of posts on Facebook or videos or whatever, and they get crapped on, or they get ignored, or they get whatever. And that's just going to do more damage. It's very similar to telling a kid that has, you know, God forbid, that has trauma to say, well, just go put yourself out there. Just go be social, put yourself, they're not, that's, you know, it's right advice, wrong time. So very similar with the imposter complex, we can, and I I did for many, many years. And that's part of why I love this topic so much, because I applied the right advice, great advice, wrong time. I was not at the place to do that. And according to those teachers, I just didn't believe it enough. I just didn't affirm it with enough conviction or belief, but really (laughs) I had some things to work out. (laughs) So I like to talk about, you know, being, being gentle with yourself, but not to the point of, giving yourself permission to just stop. Now, having said that, of course, we all need rest days. I'm not saying to not rest or not, not stop when it's actually time to stop. But what I mean is, you know, you go to make that post and you believe in yourself and then you get that like, mm, and you go, okay, is that, is that feeling of pulling back? Is that, and you can actually ask yourself energetically, is that my fears or is that because it's the wrong time or like it, what's really going on there? Nine times out of 10, it's actually not that you need to step back. It's actually that there's a limiting belief. There's an inner critic thing going on. There's procrastination, overwhelm, a judgment that you're afraid to hear. So that's why I go into that in depth in the, in the eight pillars part, because there's eight different parts. They each have a different process and a different thing that underpins them. So overwhelm is different than not owning your expertise, for example. So if someone's stuck in procrastination and they're using the tool for procrastination, but really they're scared to own their expertise, well, that's not going to work too well. And they do go in order. And interestingly, the last one is boundaries. You know, so many of us think we need better boundaries. Uh, And there's books written about better boundaries. And I personally think that most boundaries are bullshit. And I want to, I want to write a chapter in my book will be boundaries or bullshit. Not to say, it's not to say that all boundaries are bullshit, but I found that many are. So really, if we did the energetic work, we wouldn't need so many boundaries. And then we wouldn't have to deal with so much imposter complex 
because we wouldn't need boundaries all over the place to stop people from saying negative things because we would have done the rest of the work on the imposter complex. So a quick example of that is you wouldn't need the same boundaries if you had what I call 10 testimonials. And I have it right on my computer. On a Mac, I can go command spacebar. And as soon as I start to type in the word test, it'll come up with a document called testimonials, which I started four years ago. And now it's up to, I, I don't know how many there are there, but I did that to have 10s that any time that I was really down or really dealing with the imposter complex, I could go to that and remind at least the logical part of my brain, that's not true. I know it feels true, but that's different. That feeling that you're not good enough, that's different. Let's at least answer this question first. So you're not trying to wrestle two tigers at the same time. So I could kind of put that tiger in its cage and then I could go with the feelings. Like, okay, these are valid feelings. What's the feeling work to do here? But at least then, like I say, you're not trying to wrestle two daggers at the same time. So I hope that gives a bit of bit of my my thoughts on that. Did I did I dance around your question or did, did I answer it properly? Um, no, I think that that sounds good. <laughs> and yeah, I think just letting um feeling maybe the energetics continuing to do the work and sounds like that is kind of what you were saying in a nutshell. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'd say about it too, is for one of the best ways I've found to deal with the imposter complex is the perspective shift of, if you're feeling like an imposter, that's a really good thing. If I have a doctor that I'm going to, and I notice the doctor is younger than me. And I hear, I overhear in the break room that this is this doctor's first shift unsupervised or unshadowed. And I present with a complicated case. And they say, oh, no, I'm very confident. I know what we should do. I'm getting a new doctor. That doctor has lost perspective. <laughs> now, if I come in with a routine stitch up, it's a very different story. But I think we as healers, we forget that like that little voice is a healthy, good thing. It's there to stop us from becoming cult leaders or charlatans or snake oil salesmen. Now, if, if that's the only voice you hear, that's different. But at least to acknowledge and say, and this is what I had to do for myself many years ago and say, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, I'm sitting down to do this free session and just started doing free session system. And the voice says, who do you think you are to in 25 minutes, try to help someone you've never met before and, and invite them to sign up as a client. Who do you think you are? And I remember when it changed and I, and I stopped fighting that voice. And I said, you're right. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know. And I'm so sick and tired of not at least trying and finding out if I am good enough. And today I'm willing to find out. So God, spirit, be with me. Might get messy, but I'm sick and tired of, I'm, I'm done not finding out. So let's find out. And that was when my business started to grow. I really resonate with that. Thanks for sharing. Because I think as whatever type of service you know, we offer, we're looked to as the expert that knows all. And so we put pressure on ourselves to have it like all figured out. And me also being a, you know, with a good touch of perfectionism in there, Mm. mix that all in the pot and I can just create so much overwhelm. And I, and I think we like build it up internally, but then when the surrendering process comes, that's what, how I hear it. Like there's so many times when I'm like, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I know spirit divine, Mm. whatever you want to call it is with me. And so I just allow that energy to come through. And to me, that's a surrendering process. Is that Mm. how you would kind of liken to it or do you feel it differently? 
I feel it differently myself, but I, th- I think it's just semantics because a lot of people really resonate with that language of surrender. For myself, I, I don't so much, but the way that you describe it, I'm surrendering every day in my daily prayer practice. You know, I, I met someone yesterday who seemed so confident in their faith and it really shook me. And I went, why am I not that confident? So last night in my prayer with God, I said, God, I have doubts. I'm fallible. I'm weak. I have so much that I don't have figured out yet. Please be with me. Don't, don't fix me on that, but, but be with me on that. Mm-hmm. And I could literally feel spirit just with me instantly. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that was a, a monumental shift in my life, that fear and doubt are no longer signs or signals to stop. They're signs to invite more of the divine into my life and heart. So I think we're saying the same thing. If you're yeah. saying surrender, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think at some point we got to like, words Words are words. We do our best to use the right word right. that we can, but words are words. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved your description as well. It's like an allowing or being in receivership mm. is another word that I use. So yeah. no, I, I really appreciate your, your insights on that mm. as well. So what I'm curious, what do you do when that overwhelm comes from whether it's imposter syndrome or, you know, we put all this internal pressure on ourselves. What, what do you do to align with ease? Mm. That is a great question. I go onto my computer and I go find my, I just typed in PDF because I know it's going to bring up my eight pillars of the imposter complex. Oh, except I've been editing it. So it's not bringing up the right one. Darn. That's going to be such a great example. And I go to my uh, the pillar that's coming up. So if I've got overwhelm going on, oh, that's number two. Oh, yeah, I'm blocking the door to more coming because I need to have everything handled. I need to look good. I'm taking too much responsibility. Yeah, I'm taking way too much responsibility for things. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to fix everybody. Yep. Okay. So all the ways that I'm trying to fix people, but I'd be willing to destroy that at the point of creation. And then I feel the shift in that. Or if it's, you know, not willing to own my expertise, same thing. I'll go to that. Because uh, I don't usually have time to to do the full meditation, like to really take the time to go within and to really go into it. So I like the cheat sheet that I made for myself and that my clients can use. And the other thing too is, is now I, I really practice way more prayer. And there's a really simple format that I heard of um, pain, desire, and gratitude. So use whatever words you like, but God, I am so scared right now. I feel like an imposter. I feel like a fraud. Please be with me and help me to if it was this podcast, get on this podcast anyways. And thank you that I have a computer and headphones and this nice mic. Thank you. And it's been going really, really well. So those are some of the things I do right right in the moment. I love that. So it sounds like really just naming what's coming up. And I think that can be so important because when we Mm. name it, it takes the power out of it too. And then recognizing that we're not alone in this and Mm. we can tap into spirit and really co-create and collaborate with spirit on our side to help move through that energy. Because I think even, you know, I mean, for myself too, it just, you know, there's a lot of fears and, you know, those things that come up when you start doing something new or putting yourself out there and wanting to create and to recognize that, you know, that's just that those old programs and paradigms. And so when you name it, it, it does really decrease the power but then recognizing you're not alone in that, but also the, mm. the power of gratitude. I love that. That is so powerful. You know, when you tap into and just say, thank you. Thank mm. you for these, 
beautiful offerings or these, you know, opportunities, um, it really helps to shift that energy from the, you know, that fear program to, you know, being in a different place where, you know, things start to move and shift and there's more flow in that. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I also think, uh, I'll never forget. It was a sales trainer once back when I was in just straight up sales and I was having a bad day. And they said something like, well, it's nothing that 10 new sales can't fix. And if that comes from the wrong place, we all know what, what that's like, but there's some truth behind it. You know, like if we, if we're in a bad place or a bad space clean and you clean out your closet and you get some momentum, you might have a much easier time with that last thing that you did. So I think as we're doing all these practices of being with and surrendering everything that we're talking about here, when you, when you feel that gentle nudge towards action, take it like right away, just go, just don't just go. Cause that's, that's where spirits wanting you to get to. It's not just to feel good and feel clear and then go and then take that lovely flow and, and just go for a walk. Mm-hmm. It's time to make that Facebook post, apply to that podcast, create the new offering called that client that popped into your head when you're in prayer. Like it's time to take that mm-hmm. next little action. Yeah. And one thing I've learned too, is, you know, spirit loves speed, (laughs) Mm. you know? So, you know, when you have the inspiration, you know, when you jump on that, that, you know, brings up the next thing and, and, but it's important to get that or have that trust and listen to that intuitive hit or, you know, that message from spirit that you receive and, and move with that. So that's really beautiful practice to start getting comfortable with. And I think just, learning to tap in and trust that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to wrap up, Will, could you please tell our listeners like where they can find you? And you mentioned a book, but anything else that you're currently working on? (laughs) The book is in, uh, I call it the pondering stage. I've recognized that there are stages to any goal. and, And that one is squarely in the pondering. There's no action. It's the pondering, gathering resources. So maybe in two years. But what I'm currently working on is um, my website is myspiritualclarity.com. And on there, you'll find lots of great resources. I have about 200 videos up on YouTube. And I have a podcast called The Helper's Paradox, or sorry, The Hidden Healer, where we talk about The Helper's Paradox. And I interview guests and we do limiting belief clearing live on the show so that people can find out like, what that actually sounds like and looks like. And I have a playlist on YouTube called The Helper's Paradox, and you can find that on my my website as well. And what I'm working on is uh, sometime in either late July or early August, there's going to be a a free day or a half-day workshop called Helping Others Shouldn't Be Hurting You. And it's going to be all about the practical applications of the helper's paradox related to not only your online visibility and movement there, but also your relationship with the God of your understanding. Cause there's a part that we didn't get too much into today, but it's, it's an important part, which is God or whatever you call God and how much that relationship informs your ability to chill and trust that people will be taken care of and that you don't have to do it. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, cool. I'd never seen that until just this moment. Thank you. Both of you. That was such a gift. Yeah. That connection that if you can chill and trust that spirit is really is spirit then you don't have to do so much. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a part whole of other podcast. That's episode, a whole other right? episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love those moments. Thank you so much. That, yes. was, that was great. Well, thank you. And thank you, Will, for being here and being sharing space with us to have this beautiful conscious conversation. Hmm.
Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thank you for listening to Be The Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with special guest interviews and speak the love conscious conversations with your co-hosts, myself and Brenda. A monthly donation of $2.22 or $5.55 really helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.